You are listening to Tech Grind, behind the scenes of leading high-tech ecosystems, with your host, Nadav Kedar. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us on Tech Grind. So last time, we had a look at the investor side with Elishai Segal. You can catch him on episodes 1, 2, and 3. And today, we're going to hop to the other side, the entrepreneur side. So today we have with us Tamal Shapira. She's the co-founder and CEO of Sense IT. Hi, Tamar. Hi. So Tamar is a successful entrepreneur with over a decade of experience in management and business development. She has a strong passion for identifying problems and creating solutions that have the potential to become big businesses and socially impact society. Her company, Sense IT, has developed a unique proprietary platform that sets a whole new standard for web accessibility testing. We will hear all about that and about her journey and the surrounding system around uh, the surrounding ecosystem around her company in our talk today. So with that, let's say hi to tomorrow. Hi, Nadav. Hey, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, so we'll have three parts to the show today. Okay, part three, the journey, part two, the beehive, and the Superman, mo- the Superman moment on part three. Um, but we'll dive in with three very short questions. Okay, Let's to kind it. of uh, start <laughs> off our uh, talk here. Great. So, um, tomorrow. Do you have a favorite book, show, show, podcast, something that you enjoy? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Today I enjoy sleeping. Um, <laughs> a favorite show, I think right now, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And in the last week or so, what did you do to, you know, your entrepreneur, entrepreneurs have to get energy from, uh, from so many sources? What did you do in the last week to kind of uh, charge up? I did two things. I hopped on a flight to New York. Awesome. Um, last minute decision, just did it. And uh, I went for a nice long run, awesome. which is my way of charging. Cool. Wonderful. And on the other side, what annoyed you on the past week? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, what annoyed me in the last week? Wow, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, can't put my <laughs> finger on it. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with part one, the journey. Um, in the journey, we want to understand um, how you got to where you are today and the path that you walked in order to build what you built today. Um, so let's start with what you did today. Let's hear it from you um, and, and work up there. Okay, so I'll start by saying, uh, I call it Sensit. It's definitely a play on words. Um, Sensit is a SaaS solution for enterprises um, to help them comply with regulation that has to do with digital accessibility. What it means is that we've created a platform that can test automatically things that today are only tested manually, um, and we integrate into the development cycle. That way, accessibility testing can be done early on instead of post-production. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing today. How did I get here is definitely a journey. Um, I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to start talking about <laughs> where it all started. Go ahead. 
Um, well, we'll start by saying that my studies had nothing to do with entrepreneurship. I discovered um, business and myself as an entrepreneur a little after my MA. Um, and 12, 15 years later, I understand that all my life I was an entrepreneur. I always initiated projects. I always took charge of you know different things in college, in high school, whatever it may be. So I always had this mindset of taking an idea or taking a problem that I found and trying to solve it. So it's definitely ingrained inside of me. As an entrepreneur, one of the things that, that really characterizes me is seeing the, my goal or the mountain is so high and understanding that I can shoot the ball from the other side of the field into that goal or I can climb that mountain as fast as I need to climb it, I'm going to get there because nothing stops me from reaching. So, so what was, did you have a moment that you understood that I'm an entrepreneur and my friends or my surrounding is not? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, and it was a few times. The first time that I realized that I'm Tamar, an entrepreneur, and I have my own ideas was when I miserably failed a business. Um, and I realized that I was, I, I kept standing behind the brand. It was Tamar of or Tamar from instead of I'm Tamar, I'm an entrepreneur, I have ideas and I have this big you know, this, this big plan to make this really successful. And when I realized that everything I was doing had to do with someone else's idea, I stopped, I took a deep breath and I said, okay, I'm going on my own path, where I thought I was on my own path, but then I started developing my own ideas. So that's and, that, and that's the moment where your entrepreneurships or the, the companies that you built uh, became successful? They became, I mean, all the companies that I, that I built kind of had a, a, a tail, they continued, um, but I think the success really came when I just didn't stop and didn't give up with Sensit. That's the success, because if you ask me, and I think that you'll ask any entrepreneur and they'll say the same thing, we measure ourselves you know, very differently than maybe someone outside would measure us. So I oftentimes look at myself in the mirror and I say, I, I just can't believe I didn't reach the success that I thought I would reach at this age or at this point or at this step or at this time in the year, whatever it may be. Um, I do feel successful, but the, the feeling of feeling not successful is, is far greater. There are greater times that I feel that than I do um, successful. So it's really a matter of what we define as success. So that's super interesting, you know, because I myself as an entrepreneur as well, I, I can totally relate and, I, and I'm sure that our listeners that are the entrepreneurs can also so relate to what you just said. And you know, it, it's a super interesting uh, point to, to dive into if you, if you want. Um, how, you know, entrepreneurs, we have, let's call it, let's put it in easy terms, we have the valley of death and until we cross the valley of death then you know the the classic kpis are not the ones that we can define success with so how do you um you know in retrospect how do you suggest to to measure success as an entrepreneur when we can't use the Classics, let's call it. Classics. Um, I think at this point in my career and in the lifetime or the life cycle of where our, our startup is, I would say measuring success is the ability not to stop and not to drop when it gets 
very, very, very hard. Um, I think that's success because eventually we will meet those KPIs. It might not be in the week that we define the KPI or even in the year that those KPIs are defined for whatever reason and you know, startup founders, entrepreneurs really can understand what that means. Um, and yet, I, I think that if you're in it and you're in it for the long run, I mean, everybody wants to know how big is this business going to be or how are you going to build a biz fit to big business? And then on the flip side, and we could talk about it also during the ecosystem talk, but on the flip side, you always hear, okay, what do I need to do in order to get funded? Or what do I need to do for that fundraising? So what are you doing? Are you building a big business or are you building a business to be funded? And I think that that's kind of a switch in the mindset that, that can be done and maybe should be done. Um, where your success is going to be measured by you and the ability for you to grow that business. It means sales, it means good product, it means product market fit, not the definition of an investor, but the definition of what the market is actually looking for. And that I think is going to be the success. Yeah, that uh, it, it reminds me that you know all the unicorns that uh, run today as unicorns or bigger than that, they all have this basic notion of a real company within them um, because without real sales, uh, real in the economic sense of it, you can't really build anything, right? So as I many times say to entrepreneurs, a startup is a business with another model, is, is uh, business with a different different business model, right? We have all that R&D in the beginning. And I think that many entrepreneurs get caught up with the, the um, dream or the R&D phase. And as you say, I mean, that, that's such a good point that they need to focus on building it as a business. Completely, and building themselves as managers and building themselves as strong business people that know how to sell, even to themselves at first, and know how to manage teams and know how to attract um, other, you know, HR, other personnel. But first and foremost is to remember what is the main, what is your main goal? I mean, I think you first need to define what is your goal. And again, that confusion of, okay, in order to do R&D, we need to get funded. In order to get funded, we need A, B, and C. But then what are you building the R&D for? Do we, did we get lost in what it means to actually build that business that you're saying? And I think it's not only the different business model, it's also the pace. You really have to move very, very fast in, you know, in the startup world. I was told many times your execution is slow, your execution is slow. Yeah, okay, so at one point it was slow, we moved a little faster, we were too early for the market and now we're not and now we're here. And the confusion between trying to answer to the outside world, at least for me, and I think that it's also, I, I can see it prevalent in, in others, it's too confusing. Let's stop answering to everyone, start answering to ourselves and that's when we'll really take that really big leap and the, the fast run ahead. Do you, do you um, along your journey, do you remember times where you let like others uh, um, set you away from that vision, from that eye on the goal? And, okay. and okay. if so, like what, what did you do to solve that? Um, it, it, what did I do to solve it? It has a lot to do with personal growth, mm -hmm. with self, uh, self-reflection. I told you in the beginning I went for a run, so I run. I'm a runner. I, I 
the more confused I am, the, the longer I go for, the faster I run to really try to understand what's going on inside and how much did I soak in the outside you know, conversation. There's a lot of talk right now about mentors. Everyone can call themselves a mentor. Everyone has an, as advice and everyone has their opinion. And you as a founder need to know how to you know, take, take, take some, leave some, you know, speak to the right people. Sometimes don't speak to anyone at all. I'm also very influenced, or at least I was, you know, when I look back and reflect on my childhood. So I was always influenced by what others think. And when I realized that, and I shut myself, I kind of put blinders on, and this has happened in the last six months, just put blinders, Tamar, blinders, <laughs> and keep moving forward and fast and, and stick to the people around you that you feel are helping you move ahead, not telling you what you want to hear, I don't have, I have a lot of, you know, my, my community around me is even my chairwoman doesn't always tell me what I want to hear, but it pushes me ahead and it doesn't mean you're going to fall, you know, you're not going to fall down, but you'll build yourself up. So I think the short answer to your question is personal growth. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's kind of like meditating, right? You, you do it and do it and do it and you practice until you get it right. Yeah, kind of. and you continue doing it because you until you, once you get it right, then you did something wrong. <laughs> and I think it also has to do with your relationships with your co-founders and with your team and with you know your clients and everybody around you. You really need to know who you are in yourself and and grow and learn because it's. I think so speaking of co-founders, uh, um, you, you founded businesses in the past, right? Companies. Yeah. You want to say a few words about past companies? And what you learned from that? Um, first of all, my my very first company that I I did it on my own, um, and well, we had a few businesses in the house. My husband was in charge of a consulting firm, and I had a different business. It was an importing business, and the first thing I learned about that is numbers. I wasn't a numbers person. I didn't like numbers. Excel gave me a headache, <laughs> and you can't run a business without loving numbers. Yeah. You definitely cannot CEO a company without knowing your numbers. And I miserably failed with Sensit. My first meeting was somebody super strategic. He was so kind and so nice. I, I swear I send him an email every Thanksgiving just to say thank you for giving me that opportunity to sit with you. I can't believe the numbers I spit out because I had no <laughs> idea. So I really learned the, the need for and the love for numbers, Excel. And when I looked at the numbers in that business is when I started trickling down to shut it because I understood that everything I was doing was for my gut and emotions and nothing had to do with running a true business. So it was a failed success because that business kept going, the, the product kept selling, but it wasn't for me to, I wasn't making money. So I moved it on, I sold it off and then, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so if we jump back to today and what you do today, I think that the area on the domain that you're in isn't, like a classic uh, Jewish mother uh, choice, right? Not at all. I think if if I see it correctly, it, it's something that you need a lot of passion for. Yeah. So how how did you get to um, the the world that you're part of today? Accessibility. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just you know for for the listeners out there, so accessibility has to do with people with disabilities, and then today we can also look at next gen. In other words, the the um, older generation. They're slowly becoming people with disabilities, and they're also not necessarily with disabilities, but they have different capabilities, which is also the way that I like to define it. 
Um, so like I said, my husband had a consulting firm and what he was running was a firm in accessibility consulting um, here in Israel. It was, he had to do with infrastructure and then he quickly went into the digital world. So we are co-founders in Sensit together and I saw everything going on and all of his, I, I overheard his conversations when it came to accessibility and people with disabilities and how you need to build a building and what kind of you know infrastructure needs to be put in. And then he went into the digital world and I started thinking, I don't understand. How many companies are actually going to do this? He kept testing these websites, okay? Back then it was just websites he was handling, testing and ping-ponging back and forth with the client. And I, I kept thinking like, it's just, no way are the hundreds and thousands and millions and tens of millions of, of website owners going to go through this process. It's just not going to happen. And then I started deep diving into it and understanding that internal systems, you know, client, uh, company systems also had to do, there's something there with accessibility. And then you have applications, you have mobile apps and you have web apps and all of these different products, they're digital products, that it boggled my mind. I said, hold on a second. If they're not accessible, there are certain people that can't actually access it. And then came, you know, a turning point in my life when a really close friend of our family, from one day to the next, had a terrible accident and he's quadriplegic. Wow. And that was, you know, you always have that kind of aha moment or something that makes you continue what you're doing and that passion. That's when I realized that there's just no way that I can raise my children or or be a citizen of this world where there's a population of people that are literally being divided because wow. the digital transformation is moving forward or the age of digital transformation is moving ahead quickly and there's people that are lagging behind just because they have different capabilities not because they don't know because my friend had a terrible accident and now he can't use his hands it, it's kind of it puts you in you know you talked to me earlier about the, the accessibility uh issues and I, for a moment, tried to put myself in, you talked about a blind person, a blind person's uh, um, shoes. And suddenly I look at it and see like, wow, a blind person without such solutions can't use the internet. And, and we need to chop off that hand to understand what the internet is. You know, when you have an, a power outage, and you don't have internet for an hour, you, 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 you're about to cry like a baby, right? So I think about someone who's blind or, or anything else. And it's, it, it just brings it down to internet as a human right, yeah. which is a movement also going on today. Completely. It, it definitely changes the whole, uh, the whole mindset or the whole perspective on it. I'm not going to convince a company that it's a human right, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, let's be very honest. It's regulation. Companies have to develop their products to be accessible or, or make sure they're accessible. And there's no other way to do it today other than testing it after they develop a product. And what we're doing with Sensit is stop making accessibility something that's different and something that, you know, is after. Start doing it within your development and it's not going to be such an issue for you mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that same blind person or my friend who uses assistive technologies or my grandmother who has trouble with her mouse and only uses a keyboard, they shouldn't have to have special attention 
if only we built accessibility already ingrained in. Is it easy? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. I live it. I see it. I see that it's possible. It's just a matter of bringing it out there and, and creating tools and platforms and things that you can do it. Before GDPR, nobody had any idea of what do you need to do, privacy mm-hmm. statements. Go write a privacy statement. <laughs> You're not going to write a privacy statement. You're going to take it off of you know the internet or whatever it is. You'll test for GDPR using external sources. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing for accessibility, but, but I'm in it for the long run because it's not something that everyone can grasp immediately. And the world is transforming right now to that age of the cloud. Everyone wants automation. We're looking for a way to make things easier, less manual. This is where it's coming to. This is where it's starting to be in. And someone's going to do it. I'm just already doing it, so I'm not willing to give Amazing. up. Amazing. So that was the world of accessibility and how you got there. Uh, that was our first part, the journey. Thank you, Tamar, for this fascinating walk through your journey on the way to building such a game-changing solution. It was fascinating to talk to you about that. Next up, we have the Beehive, understanding the ecosystem surrounding Sensei. Stay tuned.